Well, hello. Uh, we're here again for um, another podcast discussion of the Revealed series, the series our kids are in. And Mara's with me. Say hi, Mara. Hey, everybody. Uh, I, I want to give you kind of a, a just a little bit of a, a update on what to look for. Of course, the church is closed through April 5th now, according to, you know, based on the, the governor's request for the community to be homebound. And so uh, we're, we're still looking at some different things to do. Uh, we're, we'll publish this podcast we published on uh, Saturday. We're gonna have a service that we published and uploaded on YouTube and Facebook um, by probably Saturday night or early Sunday morning, so that that will be there as well. And um, we'd encourage you that when you watch it on YouTube that you, you like our YouTube channel because the more likes we get of our YouTube channel, the, the, the more it's visible. And then I've scheduled a couple uh, prayer meetings. Uh, I've scheduled a Zoom prayer meeting at 10 a.m. and one at, on Sunday. And Pastor Bob's going to be leading that one. And then I've scheduled a prayer meeting by Zoom at 7 p.m on Tuesday evening, and uh, Sue Timmons and, and Jessica Walks are gonna be leading that one. And so I'd encourage you to participate in that and have some prayer time together. Uh, and then we have a Wednesday Bible study at 7 p.m. That's available as, all, uh, as well. And we'll, we'll be emailing out the details of these Zoom meetings. Uh, la last one I had on Wednesday night, I think I had a, a code to enter. Uh, and I've rectified that, so you can just enter. Uh, but but I have to to let you in uh, to to the meetings simply because uh, there there's some uh, indication that some people are jumping in these meetings and doing inappropriate things when they're just open. So we want to have some handle on that. Um, and then there's a a couple additional podcasts that are out there. On Thursdays we're we're publishing a discussion with Jeff Schooley, who's the uh, pastor of First Presbyterian. Uh, of this of our Sunday morning sermon and uh, that we call that holy highlights and we just have a conversation about what we talked about at at the Nazarene church and I do the same thing for him and you can get on their website if you want to see his sermon and our conversation and then I'll, I'm doing what I call a NAS chat where I'm trying to just connect with different people in the congregation and uh, and have a conversation with them about uh, their life and uh, this week we did Thad Hicks, and that was published yesterday or today. And then next week, I'm planning on doing Pastor Bob if he's available. And, and I'd encourage you just to, um, to, to check him out. It's just a good way to get to know people. And, and these are probably going to be continuing things. So if anything good comes out of this COVID-19, we are trying a lot of different things. And even this podcast that Mara and I are doing is something that I think we can look forward to, to continuing doing. Mara, what can parents look for? So yeah, in this time when we are not meeting together, um, obviously I know everything has shifted routines. Everything is different. Um, we're trying to keep some routines here, but I also do not to add anything more to your plate, anything that would really be overwhelming. So I'm trying to keep it um, where it's consistent, but also just the stuff that's gonna be most helpful. I am posting videos and activities on Sunday mornings. Those will line up with um, what we're discussing here in the podcast and keeping it in um, with the curriculum for this month. And I'm also trying to host at least a couple Zoom meetings just for our kids to pop into a couple of times a week. I will post that schedule on Mondays to let you know when in the week your kids can pop in. And it's been a lot of fun. Our quizzers have been still keeping up with quizzing and they're meeting on Wednesday nights 
um, through Zoom as well. So trying to keep those connections, um, but know that this is not the only way for you to stay connected with each other. Um, you can be texting and calling each other outside of, of the things that we set up and we really encourage you to do that. Uh, just so you know, we're recording this. This is a Zoom meeting that Mara and I are having. We're, we're trying to, um, to, to honor the restrictions as much as we can. Now, when we do the service, we'll probably have to go to the church, a few of us, just to record something. But, but we're really trying to honor those restrictions, and I hope you are as well. Uh, we're doing our staff meetings in this way, and, and I've had other meetings in this way. And so um, just, just so you know that if the recording is, um, the quality is not as good as the last few weeks, it's because we're not sitting in the sanctuary using microphones, but we're doing this on our computer. So, so bear with us. Well, today we're gonna to talk about an important guest at someone's house. And you know, anytime I think about important guests, I think about when we had Jerry Lucas at, uh, at the church. Many of you remember when Jerry Lucas came, he's the Ohio State basketball player. And I had the privilege of having him over to my apartment. I still had an apartment then. Oh, yeah. We hadn't uh, purchased a house up here. But Ohio State was playing basketball. And one of the fondest memories of my life is having Jerry Lucas sit on the couch with me and talk about how bad the players for Ohio State were or how bad some of them were, were shooting the ball. And so all of us have important and interesting guests from time to time. Mari, you ever had anybody real interesting or important at your house? Oh, you know, Paul, every guest I have is interesting. I mean, I'm not sure that I've ever had anybody that by the world standards would like be front page, but um, I mean, I love to have people over. That is one of my favorite things. I love to cook for people. I just love to visit. So for me, I guess I hope that all of my guests feel like I think that they are a really important and interesting guest. Now, now you made me feel bad about myself, Mara. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyhow, we're, we're, we're in Luke 7. And at the end of this, we have Jesus attending a, a dinner at a Pharisee's house. And Luke 7 is right after the Sermon on the Mount, and it's, it's full of big events. At the beginning of Luke 7, Jesus heals the Roman officer's servant, uh, just at his word. Uh, and then he raises from the dead a widow's son. And, uh, you know, th this is all foreshadowed in the Old Testament with, with different events. And, and big crowds are beginning to follow him. And the disciples of John the Baptist are beginning to, to try to figure out who Jesus is. And, and so there's these big questions. And, and Jesus begins to answer these questions. He talks about how John the Baptist came fasting and they said that he was possessed by a demon and Jesus is eating and drinking. And they said, he said, you're calling me a drunkard. And, and, uh, and, and, and so it just shows Jesus can't win. And, and John the Baptist couldn't win with the religious elitist and people were, were playing it both ways, whatever uh, suits them. Uh, that's how they were perceiving John and how they're perceiving um, Jesus. You know, it's, it's frustrating to deal with people that you, you can't please. I'm just curious, Mara, when you have someone that you can't please, how do you deal with them? Oh, you know, I'm one of those people, whether, whether it's good or bad, like I am a people pleaser. Like I'm an includer. There have been times when, I mean, it has bothered me probably more than it should. Like if I know that someone like doesn't like me or that like I can't make them happy, and I feel like that always starts to check my motivation. Like, well, what am I, what am I really trying to do? Who's like, whose standard am I holding myself to? What standard am I holding them to? Am I supposed to be trying to make these people so happy? 
then I also think about the times that I've probably been the person that other people think that they just can't make me happy. They just aren't getting it right. Um, so I don't know. I kind of try to think about like what we probably hold ourselves to an impossible standard and then we are holding other people to an even more impossible standard. We've talked in the past about how the Pharisees seem to have an ever shifting like standard. And it was like, if you thought you were, you were getting to the bar, just like when they changed the height requirement for your son, like they would raise it again. And so it was constantly this, this fear of losing control that led them to just always feel like there was something more that people should be doing and, and really trying to keep people in that place of, of inferiority. That's, um, and, and I, I can appreciate that, that we, we approach this all in a, diff, a lot of different ways. But, but in this story, Jesus eats with those who are giving him grief. And, right. um, and so I'll, I'll read passage today. Now, one of the Pharisees, this is in Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. Um, and I'll also be reading through 39 to begin with. Now, one of the Pharisees was requesting Jesus to dine with him, and he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. And when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and kept wiping them with the hair of her head, and kissing his feet, and anointing them with the perfume. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. Now, a, a couple of context things here just to, to understand that how they would eat, that, that this reclining at the table, uh, imagine Jesus sitting all the way down at the floor with his feet behind him, leaning into the table. That's why in the Last Supper scene, um, we, we have John talks about the, the, the disciple leaning against Jesus' chest. And that's not because he was sleepy. It's just they were leaning all against each other at the table. And so Jesus' feet are behind him. He's sitting uh, on the floor. And so when it says that she's standing behind him at his feet, his feet are, are behind him. And, and she's crying and his shoes are off, and she's wetting and cleaning his feet with her tears, and she's anointing his feet with the perfume. And then we have two responses here. We have the response of the woman to Jesus and the response of Simon. Mara, how would you characterize the woman's response? I really feel like her response fits in well with the theme that we've been talking about, about like that reckless, that risky, just extravagance um, in how she is just pouring out her love and gratefulness to him. I mean, one, she's coming to a party where she is, she's not been invited. Like this, these would have been a group of men sitting around a table. Um, that's just how things were done. Even if she was a woman who was present at the party, she would not have been invited to sit at the table. That's not how things would have been. So she's an uninvited guest. She is um, behaving in a way that honestly is, is kind of bringing shame on her. Like women were not supposed to have their hair down. Like that was not, um, that was not the way that they wore their hair. So for her to let her hair down was again, she's putting herself, she's embarrassing herself in the way that she is displaying her gratefulness for him um, and thankfulness to him. 
And I think she honestly is just so thankful. I don't think this is her first encounter with Jesus. I feel like she has experienced and been seen by him before. And she just is overcome in her um, desire to communicate her gratitude to him. You know, so, some scholars suggest that this is Mary Magdalene. And, mm -hmm. and that's, but I think there's a lot of passages they, they uh, attach to Mary Magdalene. Why, why, why do you think she was so, so thankful, Mara? I think that the way that we see her spoken about, like if this woman who's touching him, she's a sinner. I don't think that she is someone who has received very much kindness from many people. And the way that we see Jesus, especially interacting with people on the fringes, people on the outside of society, tells me that if, if this is not her first interaction with him, that she has seen firsthand the way that he speaks value into lives that other people have deemed worthless. I mean, this is coming off um, just a chapter before here in Luke 6 is when he's talking about the Beatitudes, talking about loving your enemies, be merciful. And I feel like we're seeing Jesus, I mean, he is living out those things that he's challenging other people to do as well. That's good. And then we have Simon's response. And Simon's response is not one that is... Um, that expresses thankfulness at all. It, it expresses judgment. It expresses uh, critique of this lady and of Jesus. Uh, he, he, he's kind of uh, challenging even who Jesus is because he allows this woman to touch him. But Jesus allows this woman to touch him precisely because of who he is. So, so Simon does not understand Jesus uh, and, and he's not thankful. Uh, Simon does not have this understanding that he needs to be thankful or there's anything that he needs in his life. Uh, you know, I, I, I think of this, when I see this response of the woman for forgiveness, I can think of times in my life where I've really messed up and people have forgiven me. And I can, I can understand, I can relate to that response uh, because all of us have those times, not only when people wrong us, but when we wrong others. Um, intentionally or unintentionally. And when those people reach out with forgiveness, uh, that's a powerful thing. But, but right. Simon's not like that. And Simon responds with, responds with judgment. And Jesus responds with our core parable for today. And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to say to you. He replied, say it, teacher. A moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they were unable to pay, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave the more. He said to him, you have judged correctly. Turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but since, since the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. And then he said to her, your sins have been forgiven. He who is forgiven little, loves little. I'm sorry, your sins have been forgiven. Those who were reclined at the table with him began to say to themselves, 
who is this man who forgives sins? He said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So Mara, as you think about this parable, what stands out to you? Um, as we've been talking about parables, I think it's really interesting. Each time I read one, like our brains are programmed. They want to make sense of this. And I think it's really interesting about who maybe we identify with in parables and who we maybe see other people in our life that they are more personified in those. And so I feel like I'm looking at this and I'm going, okay, so we've got two men, one who owed a little, one who owed a lot. Like part of you wants to go, well, I kind of want to identify with the person who owed a little. Like I don't necessarily, I don't want to see myself as being just bogged down by all of this weight. But then you're like, well, wait, if I see myself that way, then I'm not willing or and not able to really appreciate the value of the forgiveness. Wow. So then you're like, I almost feel like I know I want to identify with the man who was forgiven of so much and that his response then would have been to be so thankful and to live in that. So I feel like for me, there's a little bit of a, of a tension there um, in the parable. That's interesting. And, and I, hadn't, I hadn't thought of it that way, but when we try to limit, um, I'll use a big theological word, when we try to limit our depravity, when we yeah. try to limit how far we were from God, when we try to make it like, well, there really wasn't that much I needed to give up or do. Uh, when, we, when we limit the power of what Jesus has done to restore our relationship with our Heavenly Father uh, by, by saying, well, I wasn't that bad, we limit God's ability, our ability, to understand how thankful we should be. Right. What that, that's, a, that's a good point. I'd never seen that, Mara, but I think that's, that's very good. What, what else do you see? Well, I just think the thing that just keeps sticking out to me is that they were both unable to repay. So I feel like at this point, Jesus says, forget the value of this. Again, this is where we're like, this is the reveal. This is the, it's not what it says at face value. They were both unable to pay. Whether it was a lot or a little, it was not something that they could repay. So his forgiveness of their debt at that point almost became like a one size fits all. Like everybody was wiped clean. There was they were put on equal standing then at that point. And I just think that's so interesting that that really is how grace is. It is a gift that we cannot measure. And everything that we read in the Bible says that like he forgets our sins, he separates them from us. So I don't even think that there would ever be a point where we could look and see how much grace we've been given because it just is immeasurable and it just is grace upon grace. And so um, as I look through this parable, I just think, man, I don't think we often respond maybe the way we should to that reality. That's good. And I think it's important to note here that, and I think you, you said this, that both of them needed forgiveness. Yes. And I think Simon had come to the conclusion that his piety was enough. And I sure. think Jesus wanted him to understand, even though maybe you've not, Maybe you've not done some of the things this woman's done, Simon. Your piety is not enough, and you still owe a debt you cannot pay. Right. And, um, and so, you know, in, in the Bible, Jesus will say, I, I, why do you dine with sinners? They've asked, they'll ask him that, and he'll say, I've come for the sick, not the well. And in saying that, I don't believe Jesus is saying that those who were not coming to him were all right. He was saying he was coming to those who recognized that they needed a savior. 
And I, right. so, so I think at one point in our life, all of our lives, and, and I hope those who have listened to this podcast have, have done this, at some point in our life, we have to acknowledge that there's some real baggage, there's some real sin in our life that we need forgiveness of, and that forgiveness comes through Jesus Christ. And, and so may, maybe you're listening to this podcast, and, and maybe you've, you know, God can even work the podcast. And maybe you've never really realized, maybe, maybe you've grown up in the church and, and maybe you, 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 you know all the Nazarene lingo and you, you do all the right things, but you've never come to that point where you realize that there is a distance between me and God that can only be spanned by Jesus Christ. And, and maybe even in the midst of, of this time where you're quarantined in a house, Maybe this would be a good time just to begin to dig deeper into the Bible and to, to dig deeper in prayer and, and, and just ask, ask God through the power of the Holy Spirit, is my relationship with, right with you? Or have I relied upon my good upbringing to the extent that I've never allowed you to save me and forgive me of my past? And, and so maybe, maybe even, even now that's something that, that some need to do. But but maybe it's just about being more thankful and more aware. Uh, e even if we've been brought up in maybe better environments than some, may maybe it's just a question of being more aware uh, and thankful for what God has done through Jesus Christ. Now, now Mara, what do you want your parents to help their kids understand uh, about this parable and about the importance of thankfulness? Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to paint Simon out. I mean, he's not a bad guy. Like I don't want him to be the, um, like the bad guy in this parable. I just think he's lost a little bit of his, um, of his focus. I want to throw out the word. I mean, let's try that word entitled, um, for Simon. I mean, I feel like he's a Pharisee. He has lived his life to the, like the letter to the law, um, law to the letter. Um, and I almost feel like there's that sense then like that of course he like almost deserves that forgiveness. And I think that he is just shocked to see that Jesus would give that forgiveness to someone that he looking at her was like, well, she has not earned that. Mm. And so I, I want to say like that entitlement um, can be a really slippery slope and is something that I think we, um, I, I know I should, we struggle with, but even we see it in our kids. And I am, for me, as I'm walking away from this, I'm going, okay, how do I start to really help my kids to frame and recognize when we are acting out of a place of entitlement? And I was listening to a podcast not too long ago. It was talking about recognizing entitlement in your kids. And it had to, um, came kind of down to this point of, do your kids see the value of things? Because if your kids do not see the value of things, they will not see the value in people. And so that thankfulness is directly tied to what we see as the value of something that we've been given. So if we don't see it as a gift, thankfulness is not our response. Mm -hmm. And um, so I've kind of been just mulling that over in my brain. Like, do my kids see the value of things or are they, oh, it broke. We can get another one in two days off of Amazon, which might be the reality but I think that there's a disconnect in their heart then if they are, if they are not seeing the value in things. And um, so I guess coming back to thankfulness, I don't think Simon saw the, um, the value of Jesus and what he was doing and who he was 
for these other people. And so I don't think he could be thankful for what Jesus was going to do for him because he did not, he did not give that value. So I think we should be talking to our kids about the value of things and the value of people. And that saying thank you is really part of a heart transformation. Even coming down to forgiveness, if I say I'm sorry and you forgive me, maybe we need to start following that up with also saying thank you. Recognizing that person did not have to forgive me. Like that is a gift that they gave me that I could not earn my, on my, for myself. I could not make them do that. And so recognizing even that there is a, um, a thankfulness response to being forgiven, even if it's just you pushed your sister over. I mean, something so small, when we, have to, when we forgive, we are giving a gift and we want them to recognize that. That's awesome. That's good. And so, so the thankfulness, there, there's a, it's a response to value. Um, yes. That when you don't value things, then, then you're not thankful. And, and in our culture, there, there's a real lack of valuing what we have. Uh, mm-hmm. Even in the last, you know, the last two weeks, and not to keep going back to this COVID-19, but just the fact that we can't do the things that we're used, accustomed to doing, you, you would think that we were in, in the darkest prison in the world uh, because we're confined to houses and, and we don't have all the things that, that we're used to. And, and maybe this is a time to allow us to be thankful for those, those relationships and those things that sometimes we take for granted. That, that's, aw- that's awesome, Mara. Um, I, I thought one of the things that was really interesting to me when I saw the lady's uh, response to Jesus and how she expressed thank, thanks, thankfulness to Jesus was her response was, in essence, uh, hospitality. Uh, she, she welcomed Jesus when Simon didn't. She, she provided, uh, she, she washed his feet. She, um, she um, anointed his feet with oil. And so there's this um, welcoming that goes on when we're thankful. And, and I, I think in the spiritual realm, in our relationship with God, when we're thankful, one of the things that we do is we welcome the presence of the Holy Spirit. We welcome the presence of, of Jesus and, and our Heavenly Father through the work of the Holy Spirit. We, we welcome their presence in our life. Uh, we, we make space for them. Uh, th- thankful people will make space for God to, to be in the Word, to be in prayer. Thankful people will make space for God to be in community with others and allow the presence to come, uh, to, to, to be uh, present for us. Um, and, and so we welcome Jesus. We welcome his presence. And, and, and I thought, what, how, how do you welcome, I'm curious, Mar, this is kind of off the cuff and maybe you hadn't thought of this. How do you welcome the presence of Jesus in your life? Wow, yeah, that, no, that's a great question. Um, welcoming his presence for me, I mean, looks like sometimes recognizing like the Holy Spirit is already there. So it is um, sometimes merely just a shifting my focus from myself to the to the realization that like the Holy Spirit is here and just kind of being open, kind of saying, okay, I'm laying this moment in front of you. How do you want to use it? How do you want to use this opportunity? How do you want to use this um, interaction with a friend, this phone call? So I feel like for me, it's, it's taking it going, okay, the pressure is off of me and I am, 
I'm opening myself up as, as a channel for the Holy Spirit to, to use me and um, use my time. Just as we're talking about this, I, I have, a, I, I will often say Thanksgiving is an action that shifts my attitude. That, that yeah. Thanksgiving is an action that we take that sometimes we think, well, it's a feeling I have or an attitude I have. But, but Thanksgiving, I, I believe, in our life can be a practiced activity. Um, and, and I think when you look at Simon and you look at the, the, the unnamed lady in this, pair, in this story, uh, the one thing that was different in their response is one practiced Thanksgiving and mm -hmm. one did not. And so I, I think one of the things that we can begin to do if we want to um, encourage the presence, see the presence, um, be, be, be aware of the presence of God in our life is we can practice Thanksgiving. We can just, just take a list or a piece of paper and begin to write those things that you're thankful for. And, and I believe in doing that, we welcome Jesus. And so, uh, you know, practicing hospitality, uh, welcoming Jesus, welcoming the presence of the Spirit is, is a way that we show our thanksgiving. And uh, thanksgiving is a way that we acknowledge the presence. So, so these things work together. Right. Uh, and I think that really affects how we treat other people then, because if yes. I'm thankful for what God has done for me and for the way that he loved me when I was unlovable, that makes it a lot easier for me to look at the person that I have deemed unlovable and realize that, man, they are, they are valuable. Like God loves them and he is just as extravagant in pursuing them as he ever has been in pursuing me. Awesome. And I feel like that shifts the way that we want to be welcoming and we want to show that hospitality to other people. And that, I think that's, that's an awesome awareness. And, and I, I would go so far as to say this, uh, Jesus says, as you do to the least of these, you've done to me. And, and so there, there is an aspect of our thankfulness. When we're expressing our thankfulness to God, I believe he invites us to practice hospitality towards other people. That, that when we welcome other people, uh, we can actually do that um, in a way that honors God and expresses thanksgiving to God. And so I, I think in the midst of, um, of what we're going through, even though you have to do it differently, uh, when, when you make a phone call to someone, um, I, I believe we could say, God, I'm doing this, I'm making this phone call because I'm so glad and thankful for, for what you've done for me. Maybe, you know, I heard of, um, I know June Ackley took a pizza over to my mother-in-law and several other people. And, and that's an awesome thing. You know, we can, we can take a pizza to somebody because we're thankful for what God has done. And I believe that God receives that gift as if that gift was given directly to him. Um, right. It's it, Mother Teresa is, a, is a, attributed with the statement that, that she saw Jesus in the most distressing disguises when she was in, in Calcutta. And because she literally believed that anybody that she ministered to, she was ministering to Jesus. And, and so I, I believe that God gives us the opportunity to express our thanksgiving uh, to him and how we treat, how we receive, how we welcome other people. Um, yeah. 
I, w I read um, Compassion by Henry Nouwen a couple years ago. And I remember just the phrase in there where they talk about like Jesus would see people and have compassion. Like that almost came together. And like that it was just like that stirring in you, like down in your guts. And I, looking back here at this passage, I realized I've underlined it because he asks Simon, do you see this woman? That's in verse 44. And I just think that's so interesting that I'm like, he's not asking like, are your eyes working? I mean, I feel like he's like, are, are you seeing her? How could you see her and have anything but compassion for her? Wow, that's powerful. So the question for us today is, uh, do, we, do we see other people? <laughs> do we recognize what God has done and the invitation to join him on his redemptive mission and see others like he sees them, respond to them like he responds to them? And, um, and just be thankful. Well, I'm thankful. You thankful? I'm thankful. All right. Anything else you want us to see before we close? The picture that keeps coming to mind here is I'm like thinking about the difference between like a fun size candy bar and like a king size candy bar. And I think I'm looking back through this going, there's some people that think they only needed. And so they've only gotten like fun size forgiveness. But the reality is like, we've all got all of the grace, all of the forgiveness. There's not one of us that has not been given just immeasurably more than we could ever have imagined or asked for or earned. And so, yeah, when I think about gratitude, I just think about the fact that like everything is a gift, the people, our families, this is all a gift. And I think this time, if anything is teaching me how to slow down and love those people better, love them differently, find creative ways to really show them the value that I see in them. That's awesome. That would have been an awesome illustration that if we were meeting together, I could have given everyone king size candy oh, bars. Man. So just imagine uh, that, that I have handed you a king size candy bar uh, as an illustration help for this sermon. And maybe not for them to hang on to, but for them to give to somebody else. Yes, that's right. That's right. Or at least half of it. At least part. Exactly. Share it. <laughs> well, oh, no, wait. Not, no sharing. No sharing. No in sharing. This. No. We're from 16 away. <laughs> I hope you everybody's doing well, and we we love you, and we we hate that we're not able to meet. Uh, you know, it's 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 hard for pastors and children's pastors and youth pastors and prayer pastors and song leaders when we can't uh, be with you. It, it's very difficult, but but we love you and we're praying for you. And uh, I appreciate all the uh, responses I'm getting. People are reaching out to Terry and I, and I'm sure Mara's getting people reaching out to her as well. And you're letting me know who you're seeing and checking on. And, you know, we're, we're looking at some things to do in, in the coming days. Uh, the, the, the video sermons will be this week and next week. And, you know, if, if we're able, we're going to try to do something at church on Easter Sunday, even if it's just a drive in and uh, a, a short thing. But, but we want to see your smiling, happy faces. And so we're, we're looking at all those things and we're going to do, we're going to do what we believe honors our community uh, in this, in the midst of this um, pandemic. Is that how you say that? Pandemic? Pandemic. pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, we're, we're, we're not, we're not inciting fear. Uh, you know, God's not mad at us. It's, it's just a time. It's a season. Uh, be prayerful. We want to protect the vulnerable in our community. We, we want to do all that we can. But at the same time, we value our time together and, and we believe that God values that time. 
as well and uses that time. And so we're looking for creative ways so that we can be together even in the midst of this. And so just keep us in your prayers. I'm going to close, Mar, anything else before I close this in prayer? I think that's it for today. All right. Well, I'm going to close this in a short prayer and then we'll, we'll talk soon. Lord, thank you for this, this scripture. Thank you for this passage. Remind us, Lord, that we needed forgiveness, that we didn't earn this, we didn't deserve this, but Lord, we were forgiven by what Jesus did. And in that forgiveness, we should be thankful. And this thankfulness leads to something. It leads to a shift in our attitude and it leads to action towards you and towards others uh, that expresses this thanksgiving. So Lord, help us to praise you, help us to trust you. And Lord, in all these things, we give you the glory because we'll, we believe you're at work. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, God bless. Bye, Mara. Bye.